Hey everyone, welcome to the industry show. I'm your host, Nitin Bajaj, and joining me today is Sansei Brian McMohan of Expert Dojo. Brian, welcome on the show. Thank you, my friend. It's great to be here. Oh, it's all our pleasure. So tell us who's Brian. This is a long story because I'm an old guy, right? So this could go back, this could take up the entire show, who's Brian. Um, I, I'll say, so Expert Dojo is my creation, which is an accelerator here in Santa Monica. And after being on this planet for 51 years, I thought it was about time that I created something that could help make the world a little bit of a better place. Um, and, and over those years, just give maybe a quick little recap. I've had, lived in about 40 or 50 countries. Yeah. I've had a, a number of businesses, including a property development business back in the UK, which did great. Um, and I, I say great. I wasn't a huge property developer with maybe like 10 properties or so that we would just buy and sell and buy and sell. But I think, you know, the thing about property is if you can afford to keep it, then you can't go wrong. Like it, it does go up. It has blips, but it goes up. Um, and then I had a consultancy business that got gobbled up by Regis. And then I had a, um, a marketplace for workspace, which I sold to my partner. And then found my way to Expert Dojo. And, and really, you know, now it's an accelerator and we're doing great. And we're investing in around 50 companies a year. And we love this space. But it started off as a, as a small shadow of that, as you know, because we met many years ago. So true. And what I find amazing about your journey is, you know, you, you check off so many boxes that one person cannot in a lifetime just even in one of those boxes. So living in those 50 countries, doing these five different types and kinds of businesses and being successful in every single one of them. You've had acquisitions, you've seen growth, you've done real estate, and now you're in Santa Monica helping 50 companies a year. That's, I don't know how many hours you have in your day, but maybe you can, during the next few minutes, share your secret with us. Let's, let's talk about how did you end up with Expert Dojo and, and in this space? So first of all, I think, you know, history is written by the victor. So if my wife was on this podcast, she would probably explain all of the things I just said in a really, really different way. And she'd probably start it by saying, we've known poverty <laughs> because I'm an entrepreneur. Like that's what I am. And, and, and all of us entrepreneurs know that, yeah, the summary sounds fine. But we all go through it and it's a beautiful journey. And it's why I, I am passionate about kids and adults alike having the opportunity to discover that creativity inside them and to be able to build something that's theirs, right? That's their legacy on this, on this planet. Um, but that's the positive side. The negative side is it's like hell week in the Marines for most weeks, <laughs> right? And then you wake, up, you wake up in the morning at five or six in the morning and you think, shoot, I, I didn't get all the things done that I need to do. I need to get up earlier. And then you're at like 4.30 and then at four o'clock. And then you're like, can I get up earlier? Yeah, I can get up earlier. So it's, it's an endurance test. And it builds character and it builds strength. But if you are not prepared for entrepreneurship, it can break you. And, and there are many, many wonderful people that I've seen go on this journey um, who were not prepared for it. And it broke them or it broke their, their couples or it broke all of their stuff. But I'm very pleased that I'm still here and I'm still loving the journey and I'm back for the next one. And yes, yeah, so Expert Dojo, it was weird. I, I had... My wife just said to me, we're up in New York. It was, I think about five, six years ago. Mm -hmm. And she said to me, can we just go somewhere where there's no wars happening? There, it's not freezing cold because we'd lived in Russia and, and, and we'd lived in China for a little while and we'd lived in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you which one is colder at its coldest <laughs> time, but they're all really, really cold. And she just said, can we just live somewhere nice? Just for once, just, just somewhere where there's a swing for my kid because anybody who's in New York just knows there's nothing for children. Yeah. It's just for, it's for adults and it's mainly for newly divorced adults so they can go back out and have fun. So, oh, right. right? I mean, yeah, yeah. right. Uh, so she said to me, I don't want much. Just like, let me go to the beach. Let me enjoy for a little while. Come down and just get rid of this obsession with entrepreneurship. So I said, fine. And I said, well, look, it's not an obsession now because it's a hobby. 
So yeah. I just, I want to, I don't want to understand how to build unicorns because I think there's a perfectly manipulated system mm -hmm. to build unicorns already. And those people who manipulate the system are perfectly happy with that system. So I, I really, I really was more focused on if 98% of people really fail, like how is that okay? Yeah. On any level, like for mm -hmm. the people who are starting or for the people who are watching or for the people who are investing, like how is it okay that there's any endeavor where there's such a, a just, a, a, just a, a wrong ratio mm -hmm. of the folks who can make it through or not. So I was good friends with the people in the chamber in Santa Monica. And I always say, if you've got a great chamber in your city, join your chamber, mm -hmm. move up in the chamber, get to know the powerful people in your city, get to be one of the powerful people in the city. It's actually the best way to rise your influence by doing that. And I did exactly that. And I got down here, got into the chamber, became great friends with Laurel, who's the president of the chamber. And then Maceridge, who owned the mall in Santa Monica, are a member of the chamber, as are all of the hotels, top restaurants, everything else. So became friends with Maceridge. And I said to them, look, you guys are going through change. Um, and malls are not what they used to be. Now, they're nothing like they are as bad as it is today in the pandemic. But even back then, mm -hmm. things were tough. And I said, let me just take a space let me, I have no business model. I have no way to make money. I have no anything, which is the way of an entrepreneur. But I said, I, I, I just want to understand this, this world. And they had a restaurant, which they had had three restaurateurs fail on, which is right on top of the mall beside the Cheesecake Factory. Mm -hmm. And I said, let me take over a, a place for three months. And I just want to give, give me a decent price. And I'm just going to study entrepreneurs like a laboratory. Mm -hmm. So we took in, it was about a hundred companies at one stage that came through and we weren't there for three months. We're actually still there today, six <laughs> years later. But, but, but after three months, like more and more entrepreneurs started coming. And what we said to them, Hey, this is a place where we will help you in no way whatsoever. Like you will receive no help, no service. Even if you ask us for help, it's highly probable. We'll say no. Like it's, it is the perfect service center where there's no service. But what we will do is we'll give you free space. Um, and what we'll also do is we'll study you. So we want you just to tell us the things that are happening inside your company. Um, and and I, won't, I won't bore you with all, all the details of everything that happened, but we did that for a year. And over that year, we just watched companies come through and all different companies, like everything from a, a glass dome that you put vegetables into to keep them fresh through to a chatbot company that had 15 million um, folks on their chatbot and, and was growing like crazy. And we noticed some really bizarre things happening. And so I'm a, I'm a, a, a progressive traditionalist, I'd call myself, right? If, if, if that's a name. And what that means is I like to think I'm very innovative if I can be. I like to think I'm very aggressive in growth. Um, but I also believe in the old fashioned uh, fundamentals. So I think that this whole thing of just borrowing money or, or taking investment forever mm -hmm. and becoming an Uber is just not a sustainable model. It's not like Uber. There's absolutely only one reason in the world that people use Uber or Lyft as opposed to taxis. Yeah. And that is because it is the next level to socialism. Right. Instead of being government backed, mm -hmm. it's venture capital backed. Yeah. If tomorrow, Every taxi in America said, we are going to charge $17.95 to get from the airport to Santa Monica and Uber and Lyft are going to charge $55. Right. We'd, we'd all say, we love the innovation within taxis. Right. We think it's fantastic. Yeah. We're going to move. So I believe if, if you're banking on that as an entrepreneur, that that's what you're going to get as your, as your difference maker, you're not going to survive. Yeah. So, and we saw too many companies that came in and what they were saying was, who do you know who's in, who can give us investment? I thought, well, you haven't built anything yet. Like nothing, like absolutely zero. And what well, you have an idea and you think some random stranger should give you a hundred grand or 50 grand or two, like what's wrong with you? And then we would see what they're building and they would say like, like a child in a, in their in their their spring making something for their parents to come in for like children's day. And they were like, we're finished. And we're like, this is terrible. Like they go, oh no, it's okay. It's just a minimum viable product. It's not the real. So, so, so what we're saying now, we have moved to this world. We've moved from America being the greatest storytelling nation on the planet, where brand is the central core component. And our forefathers 
built these incredible companies that were based on sweat and tears and hard work and labor and innovation and really the will to break through. Very similar actually to India in many ways on how businesses were built. And we've moved to this new nation that the very first thing we do is say, please, sir, can we have some money? Mm -hmm. uh, and by the way, we're not going to build anything decent just in case you say no. <laughs> right. That's it. That's our world. And then, you know, as an extension to that, we noticed that there was no foundation within a lot of companies. And look, I'm, I'm generalizing. There's some companies, right. that yeah. um, but the vast majority, there was no foundation mm -hmm. and there was no real desire for a foundation to be built in the future. Everything was about well, when we raise our series A, we'll mm -hmm. build a foundation because we're going to have $10 million in the bank. Mm -hmm. Um, and then this, this, this really, to me, if you build a parallel, this is a little bit like children being born from rich parents. Mm -hmm. There's just so much money that they don't know how to deal with it. They don't have any respect for it. They don't know how to spend it. And it gets spent in the wrong way. And then the final area was just within the skill gapping within the teams, we just noticed that there was really terrible skill gapping, that people were not building teams based on, on, on wanting to have a very visionary, easy to see company whereby it's a proper real company. And they, they weren't building that. What they were just building was, well, it's just me and I'm gonna build it and it's gonna be great because my mind coach told me that it's gonna be great. So yeah, I'll, I'll fast forward because we, we found all these things out and we said, ah, oh, that's amazing. Like that's, is that where we are as a country right now? Is that why we're losing all of our great innovation to all these other countries around the world because we're not actually innovating anymore. The only thing we're doing is we're going to Vegas and we're putting all of our money on black or red. Um, and so we decided, and then folks would say to us, hey, can you guys introduce us to some of the mentors and people that you, knew, you know, which we started doing. And then we, we started evolving at a mentorship side. And then they would say, oh, it'd be really great if you could provide some training around some of the things you're doing. So we provided training in there as well. And again, at this stage, other than hustling the odd, you know, coaching that we would maybe do with somebody who needed some coaching, we didn't have a business whatsoever. And then I invested in a couple of the companies. And then my partner came in and my partner said, look, what is it you want to do? And I said, you know, I love entrepreneurship mm -hmm. and, and I love the art of entrepreneurship. Right. I, I don't like this new game that people are playing. Mm -hmm. And I would love a world where every human citizen is born with an equal ability for success Mm -hmm. to be able to have their own company, no matter what they look like, what color they are, what language they speak, what religion they have, or what gender they have. Like that would be an amazing, an amazing, amazing world. Mm -hmm. Like you and I spoke a little bit before we, we, we turned on the record button about getting our kids and teaching them about investing and understanding money and having a good relationship with money. I mean, this does not need to be a game of rich people and poor people. Yeah. It should become a game of educated people and yeah. uneducated people. And my quest is to make sure that in the name of entrepreneurship, everybody has an equal opportunity to be educated. Yeah. Um, and my, 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 my partner said to me, well, uh, you know, I can't really help you with that, but what can we do in the meantime? I said, well, why don't we invest in 200 companies straight away and we'll find the best companies in the world and then we'll make a shit ton of money. And yeah. then we'll use that money then to be able to go to phase two, which is really our phase one, yeah. but we know that it's going to be too hard for like two or five or 10 of us to be able to do this. This, this requires a militia that will span the world and it requires like something enormous. So he said, great. And we've now got 70, 73, 72, 73 investments in total over a year and a half. Uh, we'll do probably another 15 investments between now and the end of this year. Investment check size is a hundred thousand unless people want less, which actually many people do. We encourage people to take less money from us. So we say to people, look, we will give you 100K mm -hmm. and we're happy to do so. But actually, we would much rather if you said to us, I don't want to take 100K, I want to take 50K and I want to give you guys half the equity. Because mm -hmm. what it says to us is that you're coming for the fight, yes. not for the handout. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so, so right now we are in the most exciting, exciting, exciting time on the planet and I couldn't be more happy and privileged and grateful for being here. I see the enthusiasm, the passion, and most of I see that, that mission playing out in, in not just the numbers, but also the kind of impact you're creating. Give us a sense for 
what is the the application and the selection process coming into Expert Dojo? So we have two, I have two associates. Uh, one associate is Jonathan Wallace, who's been with me for about five years. So he's seen a lot of companies in and out. Um, and the other one is Victoria. Um, and they will look all around the world. And we're actually, I'll, I'll talk afterwards about a scout program, which we're going to put in place towards the end of the year, you know, AKA straight out of the textbooks of Sequoia um, and other folks who've done these scout systems. Um, but we, we, and I would say as well, we definitely fumbled our way to here. At the beginning, when we started making the investments, um, I used to look at people and say, if I have a great person who has a will and a desire to succeed, then we should back those people. And I've really evolved that way of thinking to now saying, unfortunately, that's not enough. And you need to learn to be a great executor. And if you're going to be a great executor, that means you've got to be a great skill gapper. And if you're a great skill gapper, it means that you have to be ready to actually achieve what needs to be achieved in the companies. And that means you have all of the parts filled. Um, so fast forwarding to today, when John and Victoria are looking at companies, they want to see them to be able to do something that we call island hopping. Mm -hmm. So let's say it's a revenue generating company, or, or even if it's user generated, the same principle uh, applies, where we know that as a company goes from idea to concept to, to execution, they'll start off at a couple of thousand dollars a month. So we want to be able to see if we call that an island of a couple of, couple of thousand dollars a month, and then we say the next island is $100,000 a month in revenue, and the next island is a million, and the next island is 10 million. Mm -hmm. Every single angel investor who is a professional angel investor mm -hmm. will want to see a company have the ability to do $10 million a month in revenue. Mm -hmm. What I want to see and what I train my people to look at is what does the bridge look like? from 10,000 a month to 100,000 a month. Right. And what does it look like from 100,000 a month to a million a month? Now, if they can get to a million, model, a million a month, in truth, I'm very happy. I don't need them to build a unicorn. I would like if they, if they could, and that was their vision. But if they get to a million dollars a month, they have a wonderful 30, 50, $70 million company, and, and they will make a ton of cash themselves. They don't necessarily need to go through lots of rounds, and we'll all have a very nice drink in Vegas and celebrate the fact that we supported a great founder. But I, I want to, at least at the beginning, to be able to have the story with them and actually see what they're building it to. So that execution becomes very important. What we then do is we'll bring in one of our investor friends. So for example, Herschel, who's a good friend of mine and a good friend of yours, mm -hmm. um, who's with the Meta family office. Mm -hmm. The other day, we had a, a company we thought were wonderful out of India that were coming over, that were in the fintech space. Mm -hmm. And of course, I called Herschel and Herschel checked him out and he said, great company, great space. Margins are too small, mm -hmm. too much competition, stay away. So we really value the, and I same with Jonathan, who's a great buddy from Unicorn Ventures, who I spoke to the other day about another company that we just couldn't make up our mind on. And, and we spoke to him as well. And then finally, the last part of it is I'll then bring in one of our entrepreneurs and say to our entrepreneurs, hey, we have this great company here. We think they're really good. Um, what do you reckon on them? And if the entrepreneur says no, if the investor says no, if Jonathan or Victoria say no, or if I say no, we won't do the deal. Um, now that does not mean it's a perfect process, but we try, we try as hard as we can to make sure that all of us believe in the island hopping that they're doing. Love that. So there is, there is a method to the madness, essentially. Yeah, I mean, as you well know, as an angel investor, like, and, and also, you know, prominent member of Thai, yeah. we're always guessing, right? We're st we study trends. That's mm -hmm. what we do. And then we hope that the trends that we study are right. So we sit in a world like today and we think, okay, great, like future of work. So we just invested in a future of work company, mm -hmm. which measures efficiency and productivity in the home, in the office, and in co-working spacing using sensors and using IP addresses of laptops. Now, does that mean we're right? I don't know, but, but, but logic would indicate that that's a really good company to go after. We just invested in a company which is over in, um, in, in sorry, not in India, they're over in Egypt mm -hmm. and they're, in, they're um, becoming a marketplace for not just telemedicine, mm -hmm. but also um, for companies around the world and people around the world to be able to get lower medical costs in their own region as well. So again, we look at trends and then we look at the entrepreneur and we look at the ability for execution and then we bring in as many smart people around us mm -hmm. and we then we say, do we think we have it right? Yeah. It's, 
it's an art, but there is some science to it. Yeah. So you, you, at Expert Dojo, you have an international accelerator. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that program. What are the metrics? What are the timelines, the milestones? And how many companies do you bring into that? So we start at the very beginning when myself and my partner were chatting about this. We said, great, what we're going to do is we're going to find great American companies that are already here and we're going to bring them in. And we really want to focus on minorities. We want to focus on minorities and female founders. Mm -hmm. And what we found was that it's very hard to compete. Like there's, there's a reason why there are not that many accelerators (laughs) because it's very, very hard. You bring companies in and then if those companies are exceptional in the eyes of everybody else who's looking at the same trends that we are, Mm -hmm. then they're going to choose Y Combinator over us. And in many cases, they should choose Y Combinator over us. Like they, that's, that's the best place for those guys to be in. But why do you say that? Why do you say that? Uh, because everybody believes that the, that the success of a company is based on a company being able to raise investment. Okay. That's what they believe. They're wrong, by the way. That's yeah. not the right answer, but it's what everybody believes. I think it's the cancer that's taken us to the terrible place we are in America, which mm-hmm. is that you, know, you don't need to learn about foundation. You don't need to learn about branding. You don't need to learn about any of those things. You just need to learn how to pitch. And mm-hmm. I think it's, a, it's an awful place that we're in. But however, it's the reality that we have to face. That if you're a great founder somewhere else and you're watching Shark Tank on television and you're hearing about the greatest accelerators in the world, you're going to look at Y Combinator and say, wow, all these great companies have come through Y Combinator. And to a certain extent, you would be right. So what I didn't want to do was go head to head in America with Y Combinator, 500 startups, tech Mm -hmm. stars, um, and plug and play who between them have done 8,000 investments over the last 10 years. I didn't want to do that. I believed that we had a better model, uh, which is a model that teaches entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. about vision, teaches them about branding, brings them through how to increase their influence level, goes through very deep marketing training and workshops, and then brings them to understand about investors. And like we get tied to do reverse pitches about what you look for and the different types of investors and how all of that works, and then build their foundation and then build everything else in the company. Like that's what we believed. But we thought, well, if we're going to find minorities and if we're going to find great companies, then we want to find great companies at a time that the other folks haven't found them yet. So we went to Israel first and we built up great great, um, relationships with um, uh, Pearl Cohen and also with BDO Stoy Haywood. And they gave us a great entry point into Israel. Uh, We've got so many great friends. I have to say like Thai for me are the best angel group in the United States, bar nobody. Uh, It is a real proper dedicated, organized, and so such a committed angel group. And I would say that if there was five other angel groups sitting on the same conference call right now, mm-hmm. and it's not just because you care about the startup. Caring is just a very cheap, easy word to say. It's because you're born from a country of entrepreneurs and hustlers. Mm-hmm. So all of the people come through. I remember even when we would get Indians who would arrive over in England when I was in England and other countries, like the first thing they do is they say, okay, we have to build something. Let's see what's within our resources. Let's see the community that we have around us. We'll build it and then we'll expand on top of it. Mm-hmm. And if it starts off as more retail and then it builds into technology, like that's how it has to be done. And I find that that community, even though you invest in non Indian startups predominantly, actually these days, most of the ones we send you are non-Indian and that sense of community stays with it. So it's incredibly powerful. Um, and we've got, I think three or four companies now from the Dojo network we, we, we put with Thai. So yeah, India was very important to us. Uh, Africa, phenomenal for us. Places like Estonia, um, mm-hmm. Finland, the Nordic countries are great. England is great as well. Canada, we love. Uh, we've just invested in the company in the British Virgin Islands. We invested in the company in Panama. We've invested in the company in Argentina. We just invested in the company in Brazil. Um, and there's so many more. So this became our niche. We started sending scouts, which we didn't call them scouts at that stage, but people around the world. And we said, you can call us an accelerator if you want to. But that's not what we want to be. We want to be known as a bridge to America. We want to be known as the place that you come to when you truly want to scale your company fast in America. And you want to do it with a partner that's going to, be, that's going to care about developing you as a real company and not turning you into some, some glorified pitcher. And I love how you've done this with 
you are an accelerator, but you're also a training academy, right? And, and hence yeah. the name. Uh, and you have these, what you call the eight pillars, and you essentially indoctrinate these founders or startups. Do you want to tell us a little more about the the approach that you take as, as an academy versus an accelerator? Yeah, yeah, wonderful. Thank you. I, so again, a lot of this stemmed from those first 100 companies that we saw just come through our free office space. And, and there were things like for, like we know that if you don't, know how to articulate your vision to yourself. And, and this, may, this will sound very obvious, by the way, to non-entrepreneurs listening, but it's extremely difficult internally for you to know what it is you're truly trying to accomplish from something which has only just been invented. It's extremely difficult. And if it's difficult for you to be able to articulate it to yourself, imagine how difficult it is for your team to buy in on this mission. And imagine how difficult it is for, for you to actually tell investors and customers and everybody else. And there are certain folks like Patagonia and Tom's Shoes and those types of people, or even Quicken Loans, whose greater vision was to build a greater Detroit. Like what a great vision. I mean, they did loans at interest rates that made them a lot of money, but that's not their mission or their vision. Their mission is to make Detroit, like forget Trumpisms, but to make Detroit really great, yeah. you know, as a city driven by them. And look what they did. They did exactly that. They gave Detroit its respect again. So certain companies, it's extremely hard to do. So we bring in one of the top trainers, I believe, on the continent, a guy called John McDonald, who brings his team, he used to bring it in physically, now we do it virtually. Um, and John will come in and spend an entire week, four hours, every single day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then homework in the afternoon. Well, how do you find your big, hairy, audacious goal? How do you build your vision? How do you build OKRs, objectives, and key results um, beside that? How do you make sure that you have a balanced scorecard within your team? Like, Quantify, 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 quantify. And you better get to the end of this week and know what the hell you're looking to build. Mm -hmm. And it better look and sound and squeal like something that can become a million dollars in revenue a month or a million users a month. Like you have to get to that place or you have failed as a venture backable company. Then the second week, branding is our second pillar. Everything is focused on brilliant branding. We have some brilliant uh, General Assembly, Ryan and Francis, mm -hmm. uh, over at Camino 5, um, who are ex-General Assembly trainers, are going to train on human-centric design, user experience, user interface. It's awesome. Like I'm like a kid in a candy shop yeah. every time I come back in and see it. And all of our cohort are there, and they're all now on Zoom, and everybody's building their brand. Mm -hmm. So... We actually had a lady I was speaking to this morning from Israel who said to me, are you going to help us build our website? And we're going, no, the website is a symptom of the disease. Right. The disease is your brand is not right. The disease is your website is full of features because you don't know why you exist. Mm -hmm. So we need to bring you into, on a basic level, Simon Sinek's why, yeah. and just help you really understand mm -hmm. why your company is of value to your consumers or to your customers. And then the next week is about building a domain experience in your space, our influencers. Uh, we have Mariah Carey's an influencer for one of our companies. Um, Celine Dion is, our, uh, uh, Halle Berry is an influencer as well. Uh, we've got like a bunch of basketball stars. We've got the Dog Whisperer. We've got a bunch of NFL players with champions round as well as influencers. Too. So we just want unfair advantage. I really respect BAM Ventures in LA mm -hmm. um, who just did an amazing job with Jessica Alba and the Honest Company mm -hmm. and with the folks over in the Kardashians and they built huge brands and mm -hmm. through using influence to their advantage. I want us to do the same thing. I want to build influence strong. So we teach our people how to do that. And you can either do it one way, which is you find influencers or the other way, which is you become Gary Vaynerchuk. Mm -hmm. Like that's it. One or the other. But don't sit back in your back office with no windows and expect the world to care about you if you're not going to the trouble of outreaching to everybody. Then the next week we focus on reverse pitches so they can understand investors. They understand the difference between a family office. Like we mentioned Herschel and MetaFund. Herschel doesn't want to get a five-year business with, you know, 25 times return. Herschel wants to maintain wealth. They already have generational wealth mm -hmm. through their family office. They don't want to lose it. Right. They want to continue to grow over a 10-year basis. So it's a very different pitch to a family office than to a tech 
investor, then to a non-tech investor, then to an early stage investor, to a late stage investor. They're all different. Um, and also we're starting to do a lot now with term loans that are investors that nobody even understands. So we bring all those guys in as well. And then our next week is about marketing. We work on marketing, drive them real hard on marketing. We'll go through every single sales channel, quantify, 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 business plan, milestone, quantify over and over again. And then we're going to go through foundation. We want their foundation. We want them, we, we, we categorize it as you start off mm -hmm. as a Viking and then you become a gladiator. So mm -hmm. as a Viking, all you have to do is just scare the hell out of the people on the island that you're about to invade. So they all run away before they go there because they've heard stories about you sharpening your teeth. But then you've got to get to a stage where after a while, those people on those places that you're invading, they realize they just have to throw some rocks on your boat and you're going to sink and die. Right? So you've got to become a gladiator. And that means you need to have process, procedure, efficiency. You need to make sure that you have skills, that those skills have been honed. You need to make sure that you have understanding of the competitors and the, and the, process and the company that you're building. Um, and then the final stage is really us going deeper into investment itself because we want people to understand investment. And then making sure that as a company, they build the skill sets around them. So they're human resource skill sets so that every single place of what we call the Knights of the Round Table is filled. You know, it, it brings so many questions. You mentioned a few names. I know Gary has been at uh, Expert Dojo. We brought him in to speak with a lot of the, the startups. One question that comes to me is, with even with everything and all the resources in place, 98% of the startups are going to fail. When they go through Expert Dojo, is the, is the chance of success different? What are the numbers saying with the the cohorts that you have had so far in the last six years? So I hope so. I, I actually don't believe that, you know, any one organization like Expert Dojo can fix this on our own. I believe this is a, a, a problem which is just endemic to the entire Americas right now. And we need to fix it through education of our kids and, and a reevaluation of what's important. Mm -hmm. Like building a billion dollar company is not important. Yeah. Right. What's or maybe it is important, but it's not urgent. What's yes. urgent is being able to make sure that you have $12 million in your bank account so you can live the rest of your life happily, right. right? As long as you're not silly. But what's happening is our kids are being told that if they're not Mark Zuckerberg or if they're not Steve Jobs or if they don't build a billionaire company, they failed and they haven't failed. That's not the objective of life. The objective of life is to be able to do all of the wonderful things that you do with religion and with family and with your morals and with the way that you live. And then to make sure that alongside that, you build something incredible with the minimum amount of financial stress. Mm -hmm. Like that's it, right? Because that, with that, you get purpose. So you don't need a billion dollars. Now you can build and $12 million is the number that's been said that pretty much anybody can live a happy life, no matter where you are in the world mm -hmm. without ever having to work again, as long as you're sensible in how you spend your money. So we should be, we should be teaching our kids to go for that goal. And we should be teaching them how to start companies that are able to build to that level. And I think once we start doing that, we'll start to notice that the failure rates go way down. And then all these companies become companies of one and two and three and four. And folks are just building great things based on having a higher percentage of success. And we're still very early. So we, our first investment was a year and a half, two years ago. And as you well know, to really see, it would be very easy for me to say that of our companies, we have two companies that have made it and every other company is still going, but that doesn't mean anything. Right. It doesn't mean anything for at least another four years. Mm -hmm. um, and once we get to four years, we know it'll drop. And um, what we hope is that by, is that speed is our greatest enemy. Mm -hmm. We know that startups run out of money. That's why companies fail. They don't fail for any other reason. That's why Amazon is alive today because it could go through 10 years of losing $6 billion yes. to its shareholders until the time came when it could make money. But most companies don't have that luxury. So speed is your greatest enemy. And so we, we're, we're really, we're, we're, we're speed enablers. We try and add a turbo onto the startup and then surround them with really clever, smart people that can then make sure that they have the best opportunity of making the right decisions as they go along. We hope that when we look back in six or seven years time, that our success rate will be around a 30 to 35%. That's our goal. Um, and if we can do that with venture backable startups from our first run, we'll be extremely happy.
I love the honesty, the transparency, and just, you know, you stated a lot of things. You talked about values and what's wrong in the system with a straight face. I really appreciate that. It takes a lot of courage to, to say it as you see it. And I know that's why people love you and why companies come to you and go through the accelerator. And, and that's the passion you convey. In addition to all the magic you do with them, I think it's, it's what you have learned and what you have come to be and being able to share that honestly and transparently with others. So I do really appreciate it. And I know a lot of people that I know that know you love that about you. So thank yeah. You. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. You know, it's easier to be honest as you get older, as you get, as you get, as you get older and you realize that actually it's okay. You're not the only one who's flawed. Everybody's flawed <laughs> and life becomes a lot simpler. You don't have to pretend that, that things are wonderful and it becomes more. I also think you reach, you reach a stage in life where everything becomes a better pursuit for the truth, right? It's not about, you know, can we buy a nicer car? Can we have a nicer house? Can we do something amazing? It's about a pursuit for just greatness and the truth. And, and right now I'm really fortunate. Um, Los Angeles, Santa Monica, Southern California is this wonderful, wonderful innovation, just gateway from the world and to the world. And we're just, we're really privileged to all of us, you, me, Shankar, everybody who's in this community. We're just really privileged to be surrounded by each other and enabling each other to to turn this this state into like one of the greatest places on the planet for entrepreneurs. So is Santa Monica the the final home for you? You know, I'm not sure. I really am and um, I know that it's very good for the moment. Um, yeah. I don't see this as a as a, as a as a city solution or a state solution. I see it as a as a just a terrible terrible problem that America is facing today, yeah. and. And is it better to be here or better to be in Detroit or better to be in Ohio? I don't know. I'm not sure. I really am. And um, what I do know is this, is that we can't achieve the greater goal that we want to achieve without making a ton of money from investing in companies right now. Um, and there is no better. I do not believe there is a single better place in America to invest in startups today than Santa Monica. The moons have all aligned. There's like five or six moons that have all aligned. I, I, actually, I'll tell them to you really quickly for other people that are in other states that may think that there's a slight chance of me being wrong, which there is not. Right. Number one, we have some of the best colleges and universities in the country and for the very first time, all of our kids from UCLA and USC and LMU and Pepperdine, they are staying. We are not losing our engineers to the valley. They have stopped going there. Number two, we have a phenomenal investment community, probably for the first time ever. You know, we had, we had great individual investors who tried to do it, but I remember when Howard and Start Engine tried to do an accelerator at the beginning, there was nobody else investing. So even though he tried to invest in the early stages, he couldn't get follow-on investment for it. Now that's fully available to them. Number three, this is the home of Hollywood. This, if ever there was a place where brand can be refound again within storytelling, we own it here. Nobody anywhere in the world is ever going to take that away from us. And for too long, we've let that go up to the valley and it's stopped now. And we're even getting on the investor subject, we're having the investors come down here. I'm going to bring in COVID as well mm -hmm. because people feel this is a terrible time and it is not a terrible time if you're a startup. This is the time for old guys like us who've been around that we know that the real money is made mm -hmm. because your competitors are terrified their fuzzball tables and their nice fluffy chairs and their free lunches are all gone. Yeah. They're firing their staff because their VCs are telling them to fire their staff. They're not spending money on advertising. The castle gates are open. You can go in and attack because you're small and you're nimble and you don't have to spend a lot of money to do it. You can build a great empire right now like never has been possible before. So I just believe this is a great, great, great time. And I actually, I'll add one extra thing, which kind of goes against the grain of the current administration, is we are absolutely fortunate to have one of the most diverse states in the United States. We got the creativeness of Mexico, which is coming through here in droves. We've got the hard work and the intellect, which comes through here in droves. We've got some of the most phenomenal Asian minds 
and work ethic that exists anywhere in the United States. We got Europeans, we got Canadians, and we've got Los Angelinos and Californias and Southern California living together in harmony with hardly a little bit of a challenge. And, and what we've been really happy about most recently is that we, in our current cohort, in our last cohort, we had only one white, well, only one Caucasian young guy. And he wow. said, and he's, he's like, I feel left out. And in this cohort, we don't have any. We have six African-Americans. We have two Indians. We have a, um, three Indians mm -hmm. and then other people randomly from other places like Egypt and a couple of other places as well, South Korea and a couple of other places as well. So I'm so happy. I just want to make sure we get these entrepreneurs, they bust through, they build great businesses, and we can just give a big F you to the government and say, this is why you want great immigrants in your country. This is why you never, ever want to speak the words you've been speaking mm -hmm. over the last three or four years. I love that. I absolutely love that. And kudos to you for, you know, people talk about diversity and inclusion. You are doing it and, you know, you just kind of mentioned it in passing. So I love that. Thank you for doing that again. Uh, let me switch gears a little bit and talk to you about some really difficult questions. Who's your favorite fictional character? So look, I'm, I'm, I'm torn. I am. Um, I always, I, I actually, you know, speaking of, a of, of like the way the world should be and the fact that I have a kid, mm -hmm. you know, I've always loved Iron Man because yep. I felt that, you yep. know, whenever there's a problem, he goes out and fixes the world and he's flawed. Yep. And even though he's fictional, he's not really fictional, right? Cause he's there. Tony Stark is there and he's yep. alive and we know that. Yep. Um, but I, I love, I just believe this word, this, 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 earth that we have we're here for such a short period of time and and we get we get sucked into the the poison of sitting in front of our televisions and and missing most of it yeah. and i want everybody to get out and i want everybody to get into an iron man suit and i want everybody to go out there and to fight the the baddies and the evils and the mm -hmm. the folks in your life that you want to be able to do so iron man gets my vote every time that's awesome you should have a suit made Unless <laughs> it would be a leprechaun suit. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, what advice would you give yourself 10 years ago or 20 years ago? To listen more. <laughs> Definitely to listen more. I wish, I wish I had been educated on having a relationship with money yes. 30 years ago. I wish. And, and this is not some, some BS I'm a coach and I want to teach you how to do stuff. It's just what people don't understand. They're, they're, and I didn't understand actually probably until maybe even two years ago yeah. is that there are two ways of, there are maybe three types of people, right? You've got lazy people or unmotivated people or people who just, they, they don't have the drive in them and, and they will you know, watch football games all day long and play games the rest of the time. And that's just the way they are and that's okay. Um, and then you get people who just work really hard and they try really hard and they try to make money. And that what they believe is, is that the more money I make, the better things will be. And unfortunately, life fools us, right? Because that's not true. What happens is we just get a better car and we marry a better husband or a better wife and you know our kids get better clothes and they go to a better school. And it's just, it's worse and it's awful. And then there's the few people on the planet who have been educated on accumulating wealth. Mm -hmm. And this is such a massive distinction. Yeah. And these people who have been educated on accumulating wealth will never fall into the trap mm -hmm. that the rest of us fell into over the years as we made money and we spent money and we made money. I can't even tell you what I spent it. I, I didn't buy nice cars or anything, but just it would disappear because I was in that middle road. So if I could have found the right mentor, the right person around me who actually educated me, not just about generating wealth, but also about how to just learn more and be better by opening my ears. My life would have been, I don't know if it would have been better, but I definitely would have got places quicker. Yeah, more meaningful, right? more mm -hmm. purposeful. You did start off as an entrepreneur when you were all of nine years old. <laughs> what did you want to be when, when you grew up back then? I didn't know. I had no idea. I, I, I honestly didn't know what I wanted to be until I was around 46. 
<laughs> so about 46. Because a lot of us, there's two fallacies. The first one is that we should do something we love. And that's bad advice. We should do something that we have the ability to be great at, right? Um, and then the second fallacy is that if we do something that we have the ability to be great at, but we kind of hate it, then we should still stick with it. And if you can get to a place where you find something that you can be great at, that's something that you can strive for. The second part, you have to be lucky at. Mm -hmm. You have to hope that you love that and you get purpose from that. Mm -hmm. And so for me now, I'm just very fortunate that I accidentally collided with the thing that I want to do for the rest of my life, which is be in the space of early stage, stage entrepreneurship and be surrounded by the creativity that makes up everything in our world around us. But I could not have strived to do that. And I think most kids can't. I think what happens is, you know, you get folk, you get kids in school and they look at baseball cards and they want to be a baseball player. And then they look at, you know, in India, they look at a cricket card and then yes. somebody else will want to be a fireman because the fireman looks great and he gets all the girls. And then somebody else will want to be like, just you do, you do stuff because of, of, of casualty. Um, and if we can educate our kids to go after something that we can become truly exceptional at, like if you see that your child has got this, this great ability for numbers, then you want to push your child right down that road towards numbers. And if you want to, then, and you want to make sure that they're, then if you can find that they're happy with that, then you're really starting to nail it. And, and no matter how old you are in middle life, like I said, I hit 46 before I hit something that I truly loved. The others were okay, made money from them. They were just truly okay. Did I love property development? No, but I was good at it. I was good at it. I made good money from it. But did I love it? No. Did it fulfill me? No. Was it something that I thought I wanted to do beforehand? Yes. Was I wrong? Yes. You know, but, but then I just accidentally collided because I kept searching. So as long as you keep searching, then if you're really fortunate in life, then everybody gets that accidental collision that I did. What do you think Liam wants to be? So he's got the same problem that like I'm talking about with the baseball cards and cricket because he's around entrepreneurship all day, right. all day. He believes he wants to be an entrepreneur. And because I'm the most biased dad in the entire world, then I believe he wants to be an entrepreneur as well. So in this one exceptional case, I'm going to force him to be an entrepreneur <laughs> because it's more fun for me. And you know what? Dads deserve to get some fun as well. Of course, except all dads and all moms in India see their kids becoming doctors or lawyers or <laughs> engineers. So <laughs> we got to change that narrative a little bit. It's true. Let them find their purpose. If we can surround, but, but entrepreneurship, I truly believe is the core. I believe it's very, very, very hard to get to that accumulating generational wealth without doing something on your own. I think it's very difficult. And so that's really the message I keep pushing into him is look, I want you to be happy in life. I want you to have purpose in life. I want you to search for something that would truly make you happy. I don't care what that is. I don't care what you look like. I don't care where you go as long as you're safe and you're happy and you're healthy. But one of the predominators to actually getting there is to be able to make sure that financially you are comfortable and that that does not become a detriment to you being able to follow what that dream is. And I believe entrepreneurship will help him get there. So if I can help him become an entrepreneur when he's 16, 17, 18, mm -hmm. and you know, he's still eating out of the fridge at home <laughs> and he's not worried about like, it's harder for you and me. I, I got to be poor with a wife and child. And then they say, how's everything? I go, fine. Oh my God. I don't have enough money to pay the rent or the mortgage, but it's fine. But well, if he's a child, he's much better. So yes, entrepreneur it is. So true. Talking about you know, dreams, what, what is your source of inspiration and motivation? The entrepreneurs that I work with every day, without question, without question. It's not, it's not the entrepreneurs who've made it, funnily enough, because I don't know those people. And I, I, don't, I don't know them. So I, I mean, I'm sure they have wonderful stories. And I like watching them on television. And I like watching their YouTube and, and what they do. But I don't know them. But when I see someone who, I, you know, I had, I have, a thousand stories of companies, but I, I'll always remember one story of a company that I had where the founder had an implementation to do in a resort in Australia that was going to possibly give him the opportunity of being able to raise his next round. Mm -hmm. But the founder had no money. And when I say no money, I mean, he didn't have the money for the airline to actually be able to get over to Australia, nor did he have the money 
to pay for the Uber or the Lyft to get him from the office back to his apartment, nor did he have the money to be able to pay for the rent in his apartment to actually get out. And we, we drove together over to Beverly Hills and um, there was an investor over there in Beverly Hills and we pitched this investor for two hours about why this would be a really good company. And we gave her like the most incredible price ever. We said, you can, you can invest in this at a million dollars valuation. Now you and I both know a million dollar valuation is pretty low valuation, right? Yeah. So we said, you can invest in it. And all we need is $5,000. Give mm-hmm. us $5,000. We do an implementation. We build up the value five or 10 X your money straight away. And then you just have to hope we can make it. Now these guys were already in a number of resorts already, but they were tapped out of money. And she said, I can't get $5,000. I don't have any money. I've got my, I've got a divorce going through. My money's been cast in escrow. And I said to her, do you have any mileage points on your credit card? (laughs) Right. And she did. And we used her mileage and at 12 o'clock at night, we were trying to, the airline wouldn't initially let the mileage go through. And it was just a big story. And I drove the guy back to his house, out of his apartment. He sneaked out of his apartment, sent a text to his landlord saying, just keep my deposit. He owed him like a month in rent. He had a month deposit. He sneaked his things out of his bedsit. It wasn't even an apartment. It was a bedsit. Like he fitted it into my trunk. We put it over in the dojo. I drove him to the airport. He then got the points that she sent. He then arrived in the city and he hitched a lift to get out to the resort. He then found, so all I'm saying is that if that stuff doesn't inspire you, as to the potential of what the human heart will do to make creativity happen, then I give up. And I'm privileged to be around that every day. That is so awesome. So happy for you. And I know you give a lot back. So it's, it's not a one way street, right? So these stories, these entrepreneurs inspire you and you inspire them back. You give them the, the holding hand they need, the guidance, the mentoring they need to when they fall, you're there to help them show the light and show the path. So yeah, relationships have to be a two way street. Otherwise they become toxic. So you have to care about each other equally. There'll be certain times that we can really help the entrepreneurs. And there will be certain times that the entrepreneurs can really help us. Mm -hmm. Um, And, but you have to be there. You have to be there for each other for sure. What are you curious about lately? So, I mean, COVID obviously has us awfully curious. And, and, and in a weird way, it's not that I'm curious about what's going to happen in the economy and, and in the market because the, you know, the recession will come, I'm sure, and there'll be much like other recessions that we've been through. I think this is my fourth recession now. So it's not like they're, they're really any different from each other. There's hardship and pain and difficulty. And in the end, we come out of them and we come out on the other side. And um, what's been really curious for me this time around has been how this one has impacted our way of life. So we used to, I mean, for example, if you'd have said to me, we were doing five events a week at the dojo. We did events for everything. We had some wonderful Thai events that you know about. We did events for everybody, Harvard Business Angels, Angel Groups, tech groups, networking groups, my God. And, and, and at that time, I, if you'd have said to me, what do I think about events and interaction between people? I would have said to you, they are absolutely imperative yeah. to the survival of the entrepreneur. And, and what's happened is not only do we not do any events, we haven't done an event in five months, um, which is a shame because we've got a beautiful space, but we haven't done any events for five months, but we don't even do our cohort physically. And let me tell you what the curious thing that I've learned is actually it's better. It's better. I actually don't want to go back to physical cohorts. I don't want to go back to physical training. I'm getting more investments for our cohort. Mm -hmm. I'm getting better interaction, better traction with the cohort. They're having better relationships with their fellow cohort people just by doing it the way it's being done right now. And the events, us not doing events, it hasn't made any difference. So now I'm starting to wonder if a lot of the things that we held true as facts were just in our mind because they were comfortable truths or whether they were something that actually um, were, had any kind of basis of reality in there whatsoever. That's really interesting. And knowing, you know, how the the people dynamics and a lot of the, the, the transferring of the, the passion, the, the learnings, you would think that a lot of that is in person. 
but it sounds like you you've done this now and, and you're seeing that the results are saying something else they're conclusive it's irrelevant whether you have people there or not Oh. It's irrelevant. It's irrelevant whether you have people there or not. It's irrelevant whether they interact face to face. And the only thing which is absolutely 100% verifiable is that they waste less time by not being physical. Hmm. That's really interesting. If you had 30 days, what would you want to learn? So I'm, I'm right now, I'm, I, this, this startup for some people is a, uh, you know, it's a journey and, and it is for me, of course, as well, but it's actually a vocation. <laughs> and, and that vocation is about trying to understand every single aspect of it. And I, and I realize 100%, and this is why it may seem like I'm humble with what I say that I can do or I can't do or what, what, what we as a company will do or won't do, but it's also because I don't know. Mm -hmm. Because it's not black or white. There is no, this is the perfect answer. Like, it's very easy for me to say minimum viable products are bad and everything that Steve Blank and Lean Startup said is untrue. But that's not true yeah. because much of, of the problem is the interpretation of what they're saying. And actually, there are some cases where companies will be able to break through and their interpretation of something that I view as fundamentally evil actually helped them build a billion-dollar company. Mm -hmm. So my curiosity actually never changes. I just want to learn every single day to be a better scholar in entrepreneurship. I want to understand not just, and this is a impossible dream because there is no entrepreneurship. There's entrepreneurship in America and entrepreneurship in India and entrepreneurship in Europe and entrepreneurship in Russia. And then there's entrepreneurship with rich people and entrepreneurship with poor people. And then there's entrepreneurship, which is driven by tech or entrepreneurship, which is driven by services. Like they all are different and each one has a different philosophy and the philosophies are not static philosophies. They are moving feasts every single day. So I, I remain a scholar of what we do and every day that I get the opportunity to learn more about it is a wonderful day, whether it's the next 30 days or the next 30 years. I just love it. That's, that's phenomenal. What is, a, uh, what is the weirdest thing about you? That's a good follow-up to what you want. Everything I've said so far <laughs> is weird. Like there, everything is weird. If you, if you asked my wife, she'd say, I'm weird. Like there's nobody, she would say, it's not healthy to be this obsessive. And, and I would agree. <laughs> and that's, but I, but I love what I do. And I think if you love what you do, and I think if what you're working at and what you're engaged with every single day is like, a, I'm like a professor in Stanford who yeah. goes in and they say, I have the privilege of learning from 70 of the greatest minds in the world every single day. I have the privilege of going in and learning from 70 minds every single day, but that's not everybody's cup of tea. You know, for, for a lot of people, they'd say, well, why don't you just, don't you want to go down the beach and you want to enjoy it? And I would say, yeah, we went down the beach on Friday, but I brought my cohort down the beach yeah. and we brainstormed like how we can hack and get extra users for an app because that's my quirkiness and my weirdness. And that's also the quirkiness and the weirdness, I think, of a lot of just entrepreneurs and great people that are seeking something more out of this life than just what it gives. I don't know about greatness, but none of what you said sounded weird to me. I'm not great, but you know, I, I think there's a little bit of crossing of the wavelengths there. So we're gonna do great we're gonna do great things. I'm looking forward to the Oracles Club and the kids stuff and doing loads of deals with you as well on these entrepreneurs. Like we're not stopping. If anything, we're doubling down on everything we're doing. Likewise. What do you do to unwind for fun? I mean, I, listen, I love tennis. So I do love tennis. I mean, I can't say, I can't make it sound like the only thing I ever do is entrepreneurship, although it is most of the time, but I love playing tennis. I love tennis. I used to play tennis when I was a kid and then I gave it up for 30 years and I can't even tell you why I gave it up for 30 years. And then I found it again when my own kids started playing tennis and I adore tennis. And for me to go out and play you know, face to face, fist to fist with somebody else in a game of tennis for me is the greatest thing in the world, whether it's playing against my kid or whether it's playing against someone else. But, but I still, but if I had to choose between entrepreneurship to, to unwind and even now this afternoon, when we finish, I'll do two more calls. And then before I get back into it again, I will listen to a excellent video that I have lined up 
which is like a phenomenal video and a talk about entrepreneurship and some people who are doing some really incredible things in other countries. And that for me is a pleasure. I'll take out some popcorn and I'll sit and I'll watch that, which probably speaks right back to the weirdness part again. Yes. Yeah. You see, you get it now, right? It's an underlying trend. Yes. Yes. So please do share that video with us. We would love to share it with the audience. And Brian, thank you once again for taking the time. This was an amazing conversation. I learned so much. I didn't know about you. Uh, and I know our audience will love the same. We would love to bring you back on, talk about even more of the, the startups that you have helped and you know, just get an update on how things are going at the dojo. Thank you, my friend. And by the way, anybody, if ever anybody has any questions, I try and respond to everybody. Um, so you feel free to give my email out, which is brian at expertdojo.com. And if anybody is looking for investment and they tick all of the boxes of everything I've said earlier on, then, you know, by all means, apply on expertdojo.com. And, you know, we're always very happy to have a look at them and see how we can help great entrepreneurs. Awesome. Thank you so much, Brian. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure.